And welcome back to The Truth Hurts, where we expose corrupt politicians and the lying corporate media. And we got a good show for you today because we're going to talk about the five most concerning things that are happening by the Democrats right now in the remaining two months of the legislative session. If you're not watching for Minnesota, you still want to pay attention to this because this is the front lines in this battle against the radical globalist leftist agenda. And this is on full display in Minnesota. They just took over basically a red state. That's what Minnesota is, right? You look at the maps. It's a red state, right? We're not some like New York City or, or uh, New York or California. We are Minnesota. This state should be red. There's a lot of reasons for why it goes blue too often, but I don't want to get into that, get into that in this show. But these are the top five things that you need to be concerned about in the remaining two months of legislative session. Joining me, as always, is MAGA Jesse. How you doing? I'm doing good. You know, the Democrats have been ramrodding their socialist agenda. The Democrats have been afraid to get out of line, you know, so they've been just passing every single thing. So uh, it's time to look ahead and see what we need to anticipate. The fight's up ahead. And joining us also, but probably a little bit more silent today, is uh, Mr. Straight Lace himself, William Beck. How you doing, William? <laughs> well, I guess he's just not going to be talking much in this show. <laughs> God, I can't wait till he's back in the seat uh, actually talking. Um, running the dials, as always, is Dawson. Dawson, how you doing? I wasn't expecting the mic. I'm, I'm doing You weren't good. expecting? You thought I wouldn't <laughs> talk to you? No. Wait. Unbelievable. <laughs> he doesn't even he doesn't even show people. What do you feel like you didn't put your uh makeup on today in the hair? What what's no, going on? No, my I didn't put my wig on today. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, if you don't switch to yourself, it just looks like I'm staring at some crazy uh, you know, you like wall here. What do you what? mean crazy? This is one of your characters on the show today. That is true. <laughs> Fair point. Dawson 1 Jake 0. All right, let's get right into it. Number 1 on our list, most concerning things you have is this gun control push by Metro Democrats. Not that article there, Dawson, that article. Perfect. So John Marty, pictured on the left there, uh, the right is Grant Hochschild, which is a senator in probably one of the most uh, highest gun-owning per capita areas in the state of Minnesota. I think it's Mm got to be number one probably. I'm sure. Yeah, a Democrat who won an election, barely, we put him on this article because it's like, hey, this comes down to you. Do you want to go against your constituents, the gun owners in your district? So anyhow, this is an interesting, interesting thing that they're trying to push. The most radical thing I've seen, I think, in um, all the states. So it's SF-1723, and then we're going to get into red flags and uh, UBC universal background checks. But if they had their worst thing pass, scroll down for us a little bit there, uh, Dawson, it'd be a state level gun registry mm-hmm. of all gun owners. You know, people think like, oh, I did a background check. They all know they, they got our records. It's actually not true. You, you, there is no gun registry right now in the United States. Minnesota, they want these Democrats actually want a gun registry. Mm-hmm. So in other words, if you think about what the Second Amendment means, it means that if the government becomes tyrannical, we can rise up for militias to take on the government that's become tyrannical Mm -hmm. but if there's a gun registry (laughs) that just shows them who they got to go uh arrest basically or go confiscate guns from yep so that's a really bad problem to have a gun registry in the united states other things it does it requires um a license from the commissioner of public safety to own a firearm you can just imagine guys like myself who are very vocally 
against their agenda would probably not get that. Right. So that would be a way for them to disarm people like myself and then people like you too, right? Especially if you like give to conservative causes or Republican candidates. Uh, it requires you to have liability insurance if you're a gun owner, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, it, criminal penalties, including felonies for um, buying or transferring more than one firearm within 30 days, which that's utterly ridiculous. Right. And probably the worst of all this, a ban on magazines that hold more than 10 rounds and a ban on semi-automatic weapons like the classic AR-15. Mm-hmm. So this is um, this is seven. SF-1723 in the Senate, they got a House Companion Bill. Where is this? This one's not moving quickly right now, um, right. Jesse. So what I think is going to happen is I think the legislature is splitting these ideas up into three separate bills that are probably going to uh, be the ones that the Democrats are targeting, looking to do. So the first one, HF-396, that is the safe storage bill. Uh, it's utterly ridiculous. It's saying that you need to keep your gun in a safe storage location. How are you supposed to be able to use it to defend yourself if it has to be in that safe storage? Uh, currently, it is uh, in the Judiciary Committee for the Senate and in the House. It's going from the Public Safety Committee to the Ways and Means Committee currently. Oh, and do you remember the bill number on that one? Did that is 396, that HF 396. HF 396, okay. Yep, and then there is HF 14. That is the background checks bill. Uh, Universal also, background checks yep. are so specific because it's closing the gaping hole <laughs> in the, uh, uh, what do they call that, the uh, uh, gun show loophole. Mm-hmm. That's what they call it. Right, yep. So for every sale, for every transfer, for every gift of a firearm, uh, they want to be able to track that and have background checks on it. So also in the Judiciary Committee for the Senate and from the House, it has gone from the Public Safety Committee to the Judiciary Committee to the Ways and Means Committee. And just so you understand, and by the way, Jesse is our um, basically a monitor of legislative activity. This is his full-time job is what he does. Is he monitors what's going on in the Capitol. And so we'll bring that to you when these things make big moves. And I think at the end of this show, so if you hang with us, we'll tell you where we see a lot of this going. Mm-hmm. Um, universal background checks really pisses me off because just as a regular firearm user, you know, like, I, listen, the Second Amendment wasn't written for hunting, right? That's not what it was. It, w- it wasn't used used for target practicing it was mm-hmm. meant to repel a tyrannical government but i also not only do i own firearms because of the fact that it's better to be able to defend yourself against a tyrannical government i also use it for self-defense home defense target shooting but number one reason i own firearms is because i'm a big outdoorsman and <laughs> listen outdoorsman give firearms to other friends mm-hmm. you know it's not the most uncommon thing because you know a guy doesn't own a firearm for pheasant hunting or grouse hunting right mm-hmm. i always argue that you know grouse hunting you shouldn't even have anything but a uh two-barrel shotgun <laughs> because quite frankly getting three shots off at a grouse especially if there's any leaves on a tree is ridiculous mm-hmm. so i think an over-under is like the best gun for grouse hunting i don't even own an over wait wait I actually own a side by side. Oh yeah. I don't know. I actually don't own an over under shotgun. I really shouldn't get into telling people what kind of firearms <laughs> I own yeah. on this show, but I'm pretty sure they're not coming for that one. So mm-hmm. I don't own an over under shotgun, which now that I think about, it, let me put that in my shopping cart. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's say I want to borrow one from a friend. Um. Essentially, and you know, we've seen many different versions, and of course, the amendment process could change it. But mm-hmm. they'll say, like, within seventy-two hours, if that firearm's not returned, then um, you could be committing, I think, a gross misdemeanor according to this bill. I'm mm-hmm. putting you on the spot, but it's I, 
I think we're getting we mm-hmm. forget which one it is. Right, I just... know there's there's a few different gun bills that are going on right now, so I can't remember if it was uh, Marty's bill or if it's this bill that we're talking about that has that provision in there. It's bad either way, a felony right. or a gross misdemeanor. Um, they're prohibiting that acti- activity. Or mm-hmm. if I just want to sell a firearm to a friend, right, a non-relative, yep. they want you to go through an FFL, a Federal Firearms License Holder, to transfer that weapon, which means it's a cost and in the process. Now, here's the thing about universal background checks. The criminals aren't going to follow it. <laughs> it doesn't solve anything. All it right. does is it creates more cost and a bigger problem for me. Yep. So it's a ridiculous thing. Meanwhile, it doesn't solve the problem you pretend that you want to solve, which is stop you know, transfers from people that have malicious intent. Mm-hmm. They're going to do it anyhow. Right. right? You're not going to stop the next mass shooter. If someone in their head goes, I want to take a firearm into a school and kill a bunch of kids, they're not going to be stopped because there's a law that says you need to go through a federal firearms license holder to to buy a firearm from another private citizen. It's not going to stop them. Mm-hmm. They've already, in their head, thought about the worst heinous act possible. Right. You know, the only way to actually stop these things is to have good people with firearms. It's the most. This is why it's actually kind of hard for them to pass gun control laws. Is because the the stats and the facts are all on our side. A good person with a gun is going to be the way to deter and stop bad people from using firearms. Quite frankly, you want guys like me owning firearms. But anyhow, that's yep. universal background check. Sorry, I get really heated up on this mm-hmm. issue. It's probably I. Th- it's so hard because number two is a really big one too for me nowadays. But gun control is a huge issue for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I like talking about the economics and stuff like that. But like, I am a very common user of firearms, right. and I'm a huge defender of the Second Amendment for its original purpose, mm-hmm. especially. Right. Go no, ahead. What's the other one? It's uh, very important that we uh, continue to fight for gun rights and. Uh, the other bill is HF 15. That's about red flag laws. And, you know, conservatives have all read the terrible stories of ex-spouses, of enemies, of people coming after them. You know, all of a sudden they get the courts involved. They take their guns just because they don't like that person. Uh, in the House, it has gone from the public safety to the judiciary to the Ways and Means Committee. And uh, currently in the Senate it is in the Judiciary Committee. So what this shows me is the House is more willing to pass this gun control. They're uh, moving it along on a lot faster of a pace than the Senate is right now. Uh, but regardless, I do think that uh, unless, you know, patriots get out there and fight and convince these Democrats otherwise, uh, it looks like these things are going to be passing unless patriots fight. Yeah, we have to fight on this stuff. Red red gun or red flag gun seizures is a mm-hmm. terrible thing. We need due process. If you're going to take rights away from somebody, you need due process in this country. Universal background checks doesn't solve anything. It makes things tougher for us. It's a ridiculous infringement on our rights. Um, even the government-mandated locking up of your firearms in your home is a ridiculous policy. Any good law-abiding gun owner knows the right way to store firearms in their house. Mm-hmm. You can't mandate it across the table. It just doesn't work. And then, of course, the worst of all is if they get this um, – uh, SF 1723 turns guys like myself and I'm sure a lot of our viewers into felons because I'm not going to give my firearms away. Mm-hmm. Like that's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. So that all these things are a must stop and you can guarantee action for Liberty will be fighting for you. You can go to action for Liberty, find these articles. Um, we've been writing about them to a large extent in the last uh, couple months. 
So number two, number two on the list of the biggest things that you need to be concerned about is genital mutilation surgery, uh, making Minnesota a sanctuary state for that. Now, uh, this has actually gotten some steam as of recently because, as you know, and we reported, and this has now gotten, we actually alerted Fox News to this uh, item because it wasn't getting the press that we thought it needed to. Mm-hmm. And we did a big show. It's probably one of the most popular shows. But Governor Walls doing a press conference with all these crazies, all these lefties, and um, basically, by executive order, creating a sanctuary state for genital mutilation surgery. Now, I don't know how that's going to stand up in the courts. I think it was just mm-hmm. a show. If they pass this law, different story. So, Finky, um, as uh, William Beck wrote in this article, a man pretending to be a woman, <laughs> uh, as if you couldn't tell from that picture, introduced mm-hmm. HF 146, allowing the state to ignore court orders from other states prohibiting so called gender affirming genital mutilation surgeries for minors once again most of the people that watch this show know the left uses this clever term called gender affirming that's that's in their head you're affirming the gender that's in your head i had a little joke in our little thread mm-hmm. today my two-year-old comes down the stairs and he's first of all two-year-old is wearing uh flip-flops and high heels got got into mom's <laughs> high heels so the one foot's high heels and I joked in the, you know, sent a picture. I joked saying, "Looks like my two-year-old uh, is a transgender kid." <laughs> yep. And honestly, I don't know at what age these nutty lefties <laughs> actually think a kid can decide that it's a girl. Mm-hmm. But I want to say we learned four at, with um, what <laughs> yeah, was yeah that Di- uh, Dylan, Mulvaney, Dylan Mulvaney, right? They say four years old. So who so knows? four? And, I guess so. And my youngest is actually two and a half, so a year and a half away from being able. But mm-hmm. does it go down to two? Because he was wearing mommy's high heels. Like, it's so utterly stupid. Yep. So, but six-year-old was what they paraded in front of the cameras, um, what uh, what Governor Walls did. Mm-hmm. Uh, William goes on to write, instances of surgeries to affirm the gender identity of minors has grown drastically in recent years. The mutilation includes facial reconstruction, double mastectomies, and general reconstruction or removal. Dr. Shane Taylor of the Vanderbilt University Transgender Clinic publicly admitted that the operation is a big moneymaker for the medical establishment. In the Minnesota House, Finke's bill has 35 authors, all left-wing Democrats. If passed, HF-146 will make Minnesota a sanctuary state for general mutilation for minors. More specifically, it will prohibit law enforcement from other states from saving the child from undergoing this life-altering process. Make no mistake, this legislation is a big deal. And William writes about this Texas boy who was abducted and brought to California to seek gender-affirming care. And, of course, we're just trying to move more towards California or Europe, basically, in in uh, Minnesota because of walls. And despite protests from the father, California law will protect the mother and her efforts to transition her son from a boy to a girl. Mm-hmm. This is child abuse. This is so clearly child abuse. We also talked about on our last show how other states are going the opposite direction. And, of course, Governor Walls calls them bullies. Right. So HF-146 in the House, and there's a Senate companion. Where's this bill at right now, Jesse? Yep, so this is HF-146, and it has gotten a second reading in the House, which means that uh, they could take it up for a vote. And it shows that, uh, you know, especially with 35 authors for the House, it shows that there's a lot of bad people trying to push this. And like you said, this would legalize child abuse. That's what this whole thing is about. It would legalize the ability for parents to force their children to change their gender. Uh, it's terrible. And in the Senate, it is also in the Judiciary Committee. Uh, so it hasn't gotten a second reading in the Senate yet, but uh, 
you know, let's say it goes up for a third reading in the House. What that would mean is they're taking a vote on it right there. And if they pass it, that would be one of the worst things in Minnesota's history. What are your thoughts on this, William? <laughs> Quite as usual. All right. Anyhow, uh, number three. This is not fair to William. This is not fair. He was supposed to do the show today, but uh, unfortunately he had other things going on. I think it was about a girl. <laughs> uh, we love William. Um, HF91. Uh, this is – okay, so you guys know that obviously Minnesota uh, Democrats have passed a really bad abortion bill. No one's shocked by that news. Technically what that bill did – was just codifying the law what's already considered legal in Minnesota. I'm, I'm being careful with how I phrase this, and there's a reason for that. The Minnesota Supreme Court has decided that abortion's legal. They have decided, in their nutty way, that Minnesota has a embedded constitutional right to an abortion. That's not true at all. You will not find the terms abortion in the Minnesota Constitution. I don't care if Republican chair David Hand says so. It's not in there, okay? So um, this is nutty activist Supreme Court justices have decided that. There's also a judge that threw out a bunch of exceptions to abortion in the state of Minnesota. And, of course, uh, Keith Allison has no interest in uh, defending the laws that were on the books. So essentially the courts in Minnesota have done a lot of the damage towards the unborn. Which what the bill that they passed HF one and SF one the number one priority for uh, Democrats in Minnesota basically codified into law what is already being done. It's still terrible. Just mm -hmm. saying, I don't think it changed. I could be wrong on this, but I don't think it changed really anything, other than the fact that if somewhere down the road a Republican becomes governor, appoints better Supreme Court justices, or better guys get elected as Supreme Court justices, um, then that that court might overturn the uh, previous decision and then of course this is codified in law so it'd be harder for them to do that hf91 is where it goes much further it was it was uh, introduced on january 5th so basically right away i think uh, we started january 3rd is mm -hmm. that right right I, I think it was on the third so two days in has a whopping 32 dfl sponsors if you thought that the dfl was crazy before this bill was introduced just wait to see what they have to offer now one thing it does is abortions allowed in hospitals. So it's allowed in um, not just abortion clinics, which basically Planned Parenthood, which is the number one. Um, it's now available in all hospitals, mm -hmm. which really makes me wonder, like, what that would do to staff in hospitals. Yeah, because you got to imagine staff are pretty. Boy, I really don't know the answer to this. Mm -hmm. You know, the population's almost fifty-fifty on abortion. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be? like that in the medical profession you know because obviously Planned Parenthood if they're the ones there ain't a conservative working at Planned Parenthood including Scott Jensen doing his uh <laughs> that was a that was a low blow wasn't <laughs> yeah it? <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was tur turned out on the campaign trail Scott Jensen had interned with them or did done some uh time in 81 uh though it wasn't with abortions it was uh um women's health stuff whatever yeah low blow. Or very low blow, huh yeah. Uh, ends penalties for secretly and carelessly discarding the body of an aborted baby. Taxpayer funding of abortion expanded in nearly all instances. Removing parental notification requirement for minors. Eliminating the word woman. I'm going to get into that. 
And then also ending the requirement to report the death of a woman as a result of an abortion. Let's scroll down here uh, to uh, its lines 15. Point, go down a little bit further there, Dawson, right here. So what they're doing, and if you don't follow Minnesota law, uh, when when they're looking at a current law, which is uh, the referencing Section 13, Minnesota Statute 2022, um, it's then Section 617.22, it's called concealing birth. When there's a strike, that means it's removing word, and it's underlined, meaning it's adding word. Okay, follow me? And then if there's nothing, it's just the current language. So striking out every and putting any, any person who attempts to conceal the birth of a child by any disposition of its body when the child died after its birth shall be guilty of a misdemeanor. What they struck out was died before or after. So at this point, if you discard aborted baby, which the only way I look at this, and tell me if you read it differently, is if you performed your own abortion. Mm-hmm. And so you discarded the, the remains and hid that that was a baby. Right. Then you're not going to be prosecuted. That's what I would take it as too. I'm not. I'm not sure how often that happens if there's people out there performing their own abortions. But yeah, it obviously shouldn't be going on. And it doesn't even matter if this is like a one or two thing per year thing. If it's a very rare thing, mm-hmm. the idea that a Democrat in their head wanted to change Minnesota law in this case mm-hmm. is sickening. Right. You know, that's the Democrats' argument all the time for uh, late-term abortions. You know, they say, well, it does never happen, so we don't need to make it illegal. But the argument should be, if it never happens, why shouldn't it be illegal then? Right. So, uh, you know, they just use their logic in a very screwed-up way. Well, I mean, obviously they admit it happens sometimes, but Mm -hmm. then it should be illegal sometimes. Yeah. All right. Uh, Taxpayer funds for abortion. So this one's interesting. Scroll down a little bit there. Uh, So... Right now, there's a lot of exceptions. The Medical Assistance Program, MA, which is always funded in the Health and Human Services Omnibus Bill. By the way, Republicans and Democrats alike vote for that thing. Like, if you've got a senator right now in the, that was in office in 2017, which most likely a lot of them were, they've all voted for taxpayer-funded abortion by passing the Health and Human Omnibus Bill. Because in 2017, all Republicans and Democrats voted for that bill, which is insanity. It just shows how terrible leadership was in that Senate caucus under Paul Gazelka. So basically it says medical assistance covers abortion services and strikes out every exception. So it's mm-hmm. all abortions, no matter what, are going to be um, covered. You can go to actionforliberty.com and read the exceptions that they're getting rid of. Mm-hmm. So all taxpayer funding for abortion covered. Right. So and what's going on with this bill is uh, it's gotten a second reading in the Senate. And so this is one of the rare instances where it looks like things this Democratic agenda is moving more quickly in the Senate than the House. Uh, But in the House, it has moved from committee to committee to committee, from the health finance to the judiciary, to public safety, to ways and means, to health finance, to ways and means again. So uh, they've been moving it around quite a bit. Uh, That might mean that they are you know touching up the bill and doing what they want to in each committee to get these uh democrats on board to pass it yeah and of course they could pass it this year or they could pass it next year too right Mm -hmm. there's nothing saying they have to it's not a budget bill um scroll down a little bit more and then you'll see there's a repealer section and it's referencing all the sections that they want to repeal um so if you scroll down to the first one um it's it's actually getting rid of parental notification right there 
Are you able to zoom in a little bit, Dawson? Because it's so small in there. There you go. What they're doing is they're, 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 there's a notice that shall be addressed to the parent of a minor who is seeking an abortion. They're actually repealing that. So right now, if a minor, a 13-year-old girl, a 14-year-old girl wants to get an abortion, a parent needs to know. Yes, of course, a parent should know. They're going to be the grandparents. And they want to remove that. That's just sickening to me. Um, then the next repealer, or actually this isn't a repealer. This one is uh, changing um, current state statute. They get rid of, uh, when they're talking about abortion, they're defining an abortion. So they're basically taking the, the definition of an abortion, which includes an act, procedure, or use of any instrument, medicine, or drug, which is supplied or prescribed for or administered to remove pregnant woman and insert the language an individual with the intention of terminating <laughs> a pregnancy <laughs> an individual yep. because there are such thing as birthing males right <laughs> that's what Jesse? they say yeah that's what they say that you know men can get pregnant too men can menstruate you know the whole the whole uh, you know agenda and the whole idea they're trying to push is just ridiculous you know they're not living in reality William, can men have babies? Oh, no comment. <laughs> typical. Uh, typical DeSantis supporter. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then last and last but not least is ending the requirement to report the death of a woman, which is a repealer that they have in here. So anyhow, mm-hmm. this is uh, this is HF91 in the House, as you mentioned. Yep, moving. SF70 in the HF Senate. SF70, and that's actually got the second reading in yep, the Senate. Yep, the SF70. Uh, so the Senate version of this bill is the one that has gotten a second reading. Okay, so when a bill is introduced, it gets its first reading. A second reading is uh, allows it to be then um, basically brought to the floor yep. and voted on. Third reading is for passage. Mm-hmm. When they say reading, I'd really like to do the historic lesson on this, mm-hmm. but I think at some point did they actually read the bills? Like, I'm sure uh, they had to have. You know, right? back in the day, I'm sure that uh, you know that's also probably a procedural way that people have slowed down uh the Senate yeah. in the house before so we should uh, i haven't seen it in recent history but uh, i'd like to dig into it myself too yeah we should require readings so nothing gets passed because essentially what they go is uh the clerk the reading will, say, will be uh dispensed with yeah or the yeah. clerk will say hf 91 second reading and then they'll just get yeah. the second reading right so, mm-hmm. okay not, why are we just saying that mm-hmm. number four thing you should be concerned about Moving through the legislature, and this is actually very important for people that are outside of Minnesota, they want to completely change the way we elect the President of the United States. So to actually change the um, U.S. Constitution so that there's no electoral college, which isn't going to happen, right? There's no way there's going to be a will by the states because three-quarters of the states would have to ratify this thing. Mm -hmm. And really to change the Constitution, to amend the Constitution, you either need the Congress doing it and thir- three quarters of the states ratifying it, or you need a constitutional convention. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, that's not going to happen where they get rid of the electoral college. So the Democrats have this very interesting uh, backdoor way to change the way we elect a president. Currently, the states determine, or I should say, technically, the electors of those states determine how to deliver their votes to Congress to make sure we, you know, nominate a president. Mm-hmm. So they say that a state joins this compact with other states to then give the uh, electors of that state based off of the overall popular vote. 
Mm-hmm. So no longer how it worked in their state, but the overall popular vote amongst the states. And there's a bunch of states that have already done this, and the magic number is 270. Mm-hmm. Now, to give you a good understanding of why the Democrats want this, Hillary Clinton, I think she had 5 million more votes. It was 2 million, 5 million, something like mm-hmm. that, right? It was millions of more votes than Donald Trump in 2016. She won the popular vote, but she wasn't president. Newsflash, she did not become president. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Because we have an electoral college where um, we give a lot more voice to other states that don't have the big population centers, which is great because if we just did popular vote, Chicago, L.A., New York, and the big mm-hmm. cities in Texas and other cities in California, they get all the say. All the issues of people running for president will address the issues of the big metro areas. Yep, it strips they, Minnesota and Minnesotans of their voting power. You don't, You no longer have those electoral votes going based on how you voted but it's based on how the country voted. So, you know, you lose a a real way that you can influence the national politics. It's one of the only ways that uh, people have is by voting. And if they want to take that and make it a popular vote, then like you said, it's giving it to California, it's giving it to New York, and we really get no say on who's the president anymore. And there's no perfect way to elect a president. I'm just going to put it out that way. But certainly popular vote, there's a reason our founders didn't want it. In fact, mm-hmm. we're so far away from the founders. The only popular vote was actually the state or the U.S. representative, right? Because the Senate initially, the two senators were just determined by the state legislatures mm-hmm. until the 17th Amendment passed. So they, so the founders had this really interesting way. They go, let's divide our government into three different branches. And there's checks and balances on each branch. And then let's determine different ways that everyone's elected. So for, for the House... It's direct popular vote apportioned by uh, population. The senators determined by the state legislatures, which is important because, quite frankly, then they hear the demands of those states more than they care about just the popular message amongst the people in general, Mm -hmm. which can be so corrupted, as we all know. And then number three, and and if you don't understand what I'm saying, you know, it was a popular idea in World War II to intern Japanese Americans into camps. So that's the problem. A direct democracy is very vile. It's a very vile form of government. Mm-hmm. That's what I think it was James Madison that called democracy a vile form of government because of those very reasons. The mob can overrule, make bad decisions. So, and then the president determined by the electoral college. Back in the day, the runner up for president by the electors was then the vice president. We've bastardized this whole process. Now they run as a joint ticket. So, um, in other words, we do uh we have this separation of power oh and then by the way i forgot the uh, courts deter- were were uh, appointed by the president and confirmed by the senate right so we have totally different ways to make up the branches of government they want to keep everything the same my god they probably want to make uh, a popular vote for supreme court justices would that <laughs> yeah, be interesting probably that would be interesting and uh you know i don't know if you've mentioned quite yet but who's one of the people who is sponsoring and authoring this bill None other than Rhino Representative Pat Garofalo. So this shows that there's bipartisan support in trying to hurt our country, trying to hurt our state. Uh, it's not a good thing that Pat Garofalo is behind this bill. And as of now, uh, for this bill, HF 642, it has a first reading in both the House and the Senate. They're both uh, currently both sitting in the elections committees of the House and Senate. Yep. Rhino Pat Garofalo. Mm-hmm. Never Trumper. Did you know that? Yeah, I did know that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm sure you I wouldn't let that one well. slip. <laughs> yeah, of course. It is a never Trumper mentality. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, last but not least is um, the number five biggest concern you have is the budget. Governor Walls, you know, obviously this is a doctor photo. Okay, I'm not <laughs> telling you something you don't know. But they're with Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates. His, uh, these globalists are watching this uh, patsy, Tim mm-hmm. Walls, you know, push forward this agenda that they love, right? And, you know, it's really interesting, and we've reported this on our show, that Tim Walls, who in three, what was it, three years in to being a congressman? I don't think it was even three years. It was mm-hmm. like two and a half years. Yeah. He was a really junior representative from a rural part of Minnesota, is the guy sponsoring some resolution basically honoring Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Foundation. This was right. back in 2010. Why mm-hmm. on earth is that? So he's some big patsy for these globalists. Anyhow, in this bill – uh, he does a ton of different things, or I'm sorry, in this bill, what am I talking about? The way that the budget process works is it's going to end up coming down to, um, a bunch of different bills that get put together in omnibus bills, right? Mm-hmm. Democrats at one point, I think argued, why is this not opening for me? I'm sorry. I'm trying to get this open on my computer. Um, I'm just gonna have to copy and paste. So I wasn't prepared here and I don't want to read off that screen over there. So essentially, they were talking about possibly getting rid of the omnibus bill process, but that's not going to happen. They're going to put all these bills in mm-hmm. the end, and that includes um, more taxes on you. So they actually want to increase vehicle license plate tabs. I think they're taking, was it 200% the value of your vehicle, something like that, just to raise them? Mm-hmm. It's the same reason a lot of us have property tax increases right now, because they value our homes higher in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I hate that. I hate freaking government stealing my money because taxation is theft. Yep. They say, oh, your house is worth more. So what? I didn't pay for the house. I'm not <laughs> selling the house. Why do you all of a sudden get to say it's valued more? It's mm-hmm. irrelevant. What yeah. if it goes down a couple uh, in the next two years? Right? Mm-hmm. It's irrelevant. If I'm not selling my house, don't tax me more. They want a sales tax increase in the seven-county metro they only want to return $4 billion of the $20 billion budget surplus, mm-hmm. which could amount to up to $2,600 per uh, family. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to lower, not eliminate the Social Security tax. Um, and I'm just going to read off a couple other things. $78 million for 2.5% increase in public pensions. Increased capital gains tax. This is a big one for uh, people who want to sell a business. Um, legalization, taxation, and recreational marijuana, of course, legalized, but tax, mm-hmm. um, obviously they want to increase funding for the failed university system. You know, the big scam of higher education, a lot of other things in the end, what they want to do, and this is crazy is increase government by 25%. Mm-hmm. Scroll down. I got a nice chart here. I think we stole this from actual, um, Minnesota management budget. So on the left, is the current budget, which is at $52 billion. They want to balloon it up to $65.2 billion. I've never seen such a large increase before. 25% increase in spending. And mm-hmm. as you can see on the bottom, the blue, that's education. So this is color-coded by how, how much each department. And then the red, obviously, basically health and welfare programs. So those are obviously no, no surprise to anyone. Those are the two largest areas the Democrats want to dump more money into it. And then further put us on an unsustainable path in the future. But right now we have a temporary surplus. And so they're, they're acting like drunken sailors. 
not give it back to the people that have been overtaxed, but spend it on more and more government. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm not going to ask you for an update on this mm-hmm. because they have to pass a budget mm-hmm. by June 30th, mm-hmm. otherwise technically May 22nd. Mm-hmm. I forgot to mention, we're bringing you this show today because it's about a mo- uh, two months away from the end of the legislative session. They have to adjourn on May 22nd. So they mm-hmm. can't, they can't, anything beyond that would it be uh, a governor has to call a special session. So they'll wait to the end and put all these things together in a big omnibus bill. And in the past, when Republicans controlled like the Senate, it was uh, three of the people meeting in the back room cutting deals and Paul Gazelka, the worst negotiator on the planet. Mm-hmm. Like he pretends like he likes Donald Trump, but certainly doesn't <laughs> understand mm-hmm. Trump's art of the deal. Yeah, no, he, he's uh He's not a real Trumper, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you can just tell when someone isn't. Someone isn't. He's totally the swamp, totally the establishment. Yeah, he's like Minnesota's Mitch McConnell, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's a good example. I'd leave the guy alone, but the guy keeps opining on issues <laughs> these days. So it's like, mm-hmm. all right, you still want to be in the uh, forefront. So, um, anyhow, they would all meet and then they'd emerge and they'd throw these bills out there. None of these people read them, and then they would all vote for them because leadership told us to do it, mm-hmm. and that's how we continue your own government. Democrats now have full control. They're going to go beat in the background. They're going to be like, well, how much bigger do we want to make it? And maybe the Senate goes, oh, I got a couple members that can't go that crazy. Hopefully. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. So it's almost impossible to stop them from passing a budget. There's nothing going to stop them getting in the way. Yeah. What we're most concerned about is in the process of throwing these big omnibus bills at Minnesota legislators, what kind of policy stuff do they sneak into there? Do they sneak in gun control and the public safety bill? Do they sneak in this abortion stuff in uh, the health and human services bill. That's the thing we need to be concerned about. Mm -hmm. So this is why the budget, despite the fact that they're going to pass a 25% increase to government, there's other big concerns that we have in those four things that were included in the beginning. Now, quite frankly, Minnesota article four, section 17, of the constitution says that every bill needs to be single subject and that subject expressly written in the title. So they can't do this legally, but the Mm -hmm. courts are terrible. They have decided, I don't know what, (laughs) I don't know how you can misread that statement in our constitution, but they've been able to interpret it so that they allow this behavior to go forward. But can Mm -hmm. you imagine them actually adding that shit to this language? Like that's chaotic. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's something that we will stand against. So we will bring that to your attention if that does happen. But our idea is to kill all the, Four items we mentioned beforehand, and then if those items get entered into the government governor's budget or the Democrats' budget, to kill that. Mm-hmm. There you go. Those are the five top concerns we have for the remaining two months of the Minnesota legislative session. And once again, if you're not from Minnesota, you don't live in Minnesota, or one of the many people that used to live in Minnesota and now are watching from Florida, Mark, I'm talking about you, <laughs> Don, all you guys. Um, Yes, uh, this is concerning because this is going to go other places, right? These leftists, when they win other states, this is exactly what they're going to do. And mm-hmm. I've been tracking this for a long time. I remember the trifecta in Minnesota in 2013. It's a completely Democrat party. So let's say you live in Florida. Right now, things are going well with Republicans in Florida. But in 10 years, maybe Democrats take control. What's the Democrat party going to be like in 10 years in Florida? Mm-hmm. Right, That's a concern. Because in just a decade here in Minnesota, they went from 
moderately bad to really, really bad and dangerous, where they actually believe in child abuse, mm-hmm. the sanctuary state yep. for genital mutilation. So that's why you need to be concerned, even if you don't live in Minnesota. We're actually going to break to you what these guys are up to, and it's going to come for every other state in the, in the union. All right. Jesse, anything yep. else on your mind before we sign off today? Nothing for me. You know, I think that people just need to uh, look at all of these things, understand that that is what's coming ahead of us. These are the fights. These are the things that we need to pressure these politicians on. We need to tell these Democrats that they can't support these radical bills. And uh, we need to tell the Republicans that they're rhinos if they get beyond, uh, behind these bills. So uh, hold everybody accountable. Uh, call up your politicians and uh, see where they're at on these issues. And we'll report um, just regular check actionforliberty.com. If you're on our email list, we'll, we'll be uh, alerting you. I mean, the next two months are going to be everything, right? It's going to be big. We're going to be working full time. We have guys out in the field. We have a lot of things going on. We also have something uh, happening tonight in Isani County that will break to you guys. Um, a little uh, resistance to the gun control measures that are happening both in the uh, federal government and the state. So that's something we'll talk about probably on Thursday. Or are we, we coming back on Friday? I think we're doing a special show on Friday instead of Thursday. We had a little messed up agenda. We, we actually originally had an interview with someone that was on January 6th, but that fell through last minute. So we're trying to make up on that. So our uh, programming schedule is a little changed right now. And, of course, there's some other big news that might happen that uh, might also change our schedule. So, mm-hmm. anyhow, stay tuned. Be flexible. I think you guys like being flexible. <laughs> we'll, we'll let you know plenty of time when we're going to be back. Anyhow, thank you very much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.